0: and welcome to Blooming in Motherhood, conversations for growing moms. Becoming a mother is life-changing in nearly every way. Some days are magical, and some days are survival. You have new priorities, hopes, worries, perspectives, identities. Your world is all new, and it's never been so full. Welcome to the Blooming in Motherhood podcast, where you'll hear from other moms who've been through it learn from experts, and be supported in embracing change, learning and growing, and blooming in motherhood. I'm your host, Molly Vassa Bertolucci, a licensed perinatal mental health therapist and mother of two on a parenthood learning journey, just like you. We'll touch on topics like postpartum and maternal mental health here, but this podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and if you're struggling, you should seek help from a licensed provider in your area. I'm so glad that you're here and joining us for these conversations for growing moms. Let's jump in and learn together. Hello, hello. Here we are in 2024. Welcome back to the Blooming and Motherhood podcast, and welcome to a new year. I am personally still very much in a reflection mode from the end of the year and planning for and anticipating and looking forward to 2024. I've not quite shifted into the action mode (laughs) that is required to um, get things going in January. So it's a slow ramp up and that is okay. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. Today, I'm talking with Julie Frank. Julie is an experienced and licensed mental health therapist for moms an expert in women's mental health. And a social work educator and researcher. She specializes in anxiety for mothers and supports moms online with psychoeducation, resources, and tools that bring relief and really work. And most importantly, she's a mom who's right there with you and experiencing the social pressures and demands of motherhood and the stress that can create. She lives on Bainbridge Island, Washington, with her two year old son, her husband, and her four dogs. I'm really excited to share this conversation that I had with Julie with you. Julie and I met through our mutual magical personal branding web design social media guru <laughs> Tori Sprinkle and we connected on Instagram and I've really really enjoyed getting to know Julie and and learning from her content about anxiety in motherhood and in this episode Julie shares with us about some of her own personal experiences. Entering motherhood that has shaped the way that she supports moms and the work that she does now. There's so much valuable information and resources, not only here in this podcast, but that Julie provides online. So I'm excited to share this with you. Let's get into it. Julie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. So
1: I'm a mom to a two year old, and on social media, I just call him Jay. I don't use his real name just for privacy, but he's two and three months. So he's just growing every single day. And then I also have four dogs. So I'm very busy at home with my husband, my son, and my four dogs. I did not know you had four dogs. Four dogs. Yeah. It's not recommended. I don't know what you're thinking. (laughs) Um, Four dogs with a baby is a lot. It's getting easier as a toddler because, you know, toddlers can help take care of dogs. But I will say that with a newborn and a newly walking baby it was a lot um but we have four we have two old oldies they're 14 and then we have two young dogs
0: oh how sweet i have a 14 year old beagle dog and she was my first baby and when my firstborn was born i had we had two dogs at the time and i was shocked at how my like relationship with my dogs changed like it was I was one of those people that was like my dog is my baby, like she's she sleeps in bed with us, she still does. But she was everything to me. And then all of a sudden it was like why are you underfoot? Like why are you barking? Why is your hair everywhere? And we had to like repair the relationship. But I was that was something that really surprised me about becoming a mom.
1: I think that we are in the repairing stage with my one dog that I got in graduate school. So 14 years ago when I was graduating, I got her and She's just like a seven pound little dog, which is like the worst kind to have with a toddler. Our golden retrievers are great. And we have an Australian shepherd. He's also great. But a little tiny dog can just get so injured, especially an older dog. And so she has gone from being like on my lap and in every single therapy session I did and in the car, everywhere I went to kind of being forgotten. And it's been heartbreaking. But at the same time, it's not safe for her or my son to be around each other and it's only getting to the point now that he can understand you know don't touch her don't hit her whatever and so yesterday we actually gave her a bath and a little haircut because she's too old to go to the groomers now nobody will let her come in and it was actually like the most healing thing I think for both of them like they were both having so much fun together and it's the first time I've ever seen that so I totally get where you're coming from
0: Yeah, sweet. So you mentioned having your dog on your lap in your therapy sessions. So tell us a little bit about what you do for work.
1: So I'm a clinical social worker, and I work with moms in my private practice in Washington State. So it's all telehealth right now. It used to be in person, but um, just with the pandemic and then with the rural area that I live in, telehealth just works a lot better. Um, so I'm in my practice. I also am a social work professor. So I teach social work at St. Mary's University of Minnesota, and I teach clinical social work classes. Um, and then I also support moms online with my company, Nurturing the Sisterhood, which is self-paced resources and support for moms and really just trying to change the messaging out there about what mom is like to be honest and realistic.
0: Yeah. So, so needed. How did you become interested in supporting moms and specifically? Anxious moms? Well, it's
1: kind of a two part answer. So, the first part is that I myself live with anxiety. I've always had anxiety, but I haven't always known that I've had it. So, um, my particular kind of anxiety is really high functioning and it looks really awesome on the outside. So I was always just a very high performer, never in trouble, always, you know, at the top of the class or the sports team or whatever it was because I pushed myself. And I got so complimented and rewarded for that. And not everything about anxiety is bad, so that's okay. Um, but what it meant for me is that I had no idea that I was anxious. And it wasn't until I got into graduate school because I was interested in mental health that I realized, oh, my gosh, I have anxiety. And the really silly part about that is that I have been in therapy for years, but no one had ever said, actually, Julie, you live with anxiety. People talked me through the anxiety, but no one ever said that to me. And once, I, once it clicked, I really just became interested in learning everything I could about anxiety, partly for myself, and then partly because I felt like other people were in the same situation that I was in. So that's the first reason. Um, the second reason is that after I got pregnant and when I was trying to get pregnant because I had a long infertility battle, I my anxiety just got so much worse. Um, And that is really normal. You know, I'm sure you see that in your practice all the time. But it was really hard for me because I'm a person that everyone's used to just not having to worry about. And all of a sudden, I'm having these health issues and then I'm having multiple pregnancy losses. And then I finally am pregnant, it's working, and I'm on bed rest for the entire time. And then had a sick child as an infant. And so my anxiety just went through the roof. And even though all of my friends are therapists, even though I know so many therapists, I just felt like I couldn't get the support I needed. And that's when I decided to shift my focus and my practice to working with moms because I know what it's like. And even as an expert in connecting to resources, and in therapy with a bazillion therapy friends, I couldn't get the support. And I thought, if it's this hard for me, what are people doing that don't know how to navigate this system? And so that's where my interest really got focused.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that so much as a therapist because I was a trained trauma therapist. And then I went through a traumatic birth experience and was just like knocked out by Like not knowing, not understanding what was going on with me, even though I had all this background information and all of this training. And so it, you kind of sounds like we have this in common. You kind of became what you needed.
1: Yes, because I feel like it's really important. And I also didn't realize how much I had internalized what we think about mothers because, you know, as a first time mom, you don't know what you're getting into. You have an idea of what you're getting into, but. It's mostly informed by what you see into other people's lives, whether that's in um, social media, whether that's your friends and the part of their life they share with you. And for me as a therapist, I was mostly working with moms while I was going through fertility um, and um, my pregnancy and things like that. I was mostly working with moms. But even then, I didn't get the full picture, right? I just get a snippet. And so I felt so unprepared for just how hard things were. And I realized that it would be in our best interest to be more prepared as mothers. And Mm -hmm. I could do something about that. And that's what I really want to do.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the model in your head of what motherhood was going to be like. What did you expect it to be? And how did your reality match up with that expectation?
1: I think that I expected it to be more like. My kid gets born and I just go back to living my life the way I lived it, but my kid is like like an accessory. I mean, that sounds terrible because I really am not meaning it in a bad way, but like in my head it was like I exercise every day, he'll just go on the stroller and I'll just do a different exercise or like I go grocery shopping three days a week and just buy a few things and he'll go with me and I'll go right back into my work the way that I was working. Mm -hmm. And I just believed that my life would continue the way it had continued. But I would have this cool sidekick with me and that's what I was expecting. And I was expecting it just to kind of be easy to transition in that way. Like it would just be so natural and everything would just fall into place. And I think that 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 does happen for some people. I wasn't one of those people, but I think it does happen. It just wasn't what happened for me. And I was not expecting that because, like I said, I'm used to everything kind of just working out because I pushed myself to make that happen. And this was the first time in my life that I could not do that. And that was really hard.
0: Yeah, totally. I've had so many moms tell me I thought my life would be the same just at a baby. Like I'd be doing the same things, but with a baby. And then when things change, it's really disorienting. And there's all these challenges that you didn't anticipate. So like some of the things that come up for people is like how you feed your baby or what sleep was like. What were some of the things that you didn't expect that were challenging for you?
1: So the first thing is is that I did not expect my pregnancy to be really difficult. I expected to be like throwing up and everything for a few months and then to be okay and it didn't work out like that so i i was you know in the emergency room quite often throughout my pregnancy and i think for the total of my pregnancy i had 3 weeks that i was not on bed rest or i think they call it like activity restriction now but it basically is like you can't be out of bed for more than 20 minutes a day and every time i would try to get off that I would end up back in the emergency room. So mm-hmm. I was just in this spot where I was starting kind of unhealthy and depleted. Like it's a lot to be in bed every day and resting and alone. And so I kind of started motherhood from this place of like going through all these fertility struggles and then having a really hard pregnancy. And it was during COVID. So in a way, it was like everybody was staying home. But in another way, it was like I'm staying home for a really different reason. So, I wasn't expecting that. Um, and my and then everyone said, as soon as your son is born, you're just gonna like bounce back. You're not gonna have to be on restriction anymore. And it turns out that if you spend like most of ten months in bed, it takes months to rebuild your energy. And I also had a big scare. after my son was born, I almost lost my life. And so that coupled with the, The pregnancy meant that my body was just, like, really struggling. Like, I remember that when my son was six months old, my mom and I went to the mountains together. And there was this two-mile walk on a path to this lodge. And it was, like, a flat walk. And I couldn't even make it to the lodge. Like, my mom had to take the baby and go get the car. And I just had to, like, sit on the ground in the cold on this path because I couldn't even walk like a mile and I'm someone that used to be very active and so that was like devastating for me. Mm-hmm. And that was six months after he was born. So I think that one is just like we don't know how our body is gonna respond to pregnancy. We can have our ideas, but I would never have expected that, you know um, I I have a friend who's pregnant right now and I love her and she texted me and she was like, I'm getting sick every day from like three to five. Did you ever get sick when you were pregnant? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I threw up like 40 times a day until I gave birth. So, you know, I would never have expected that. And so I think that that that's the first thing that was really hard is that like even before the baby's born, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm sure you you probably see that in your practice or maybe you went through something like that too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You think you know what it's like because you think you've seen other people's stories when most likely you've seen other people's highlights or like the edited versions, right? And I think more and more people are being a little more uh, transparent about their motherhood journeys, but you get this idea in your head or you think like, oh, that person just had a really hard time and that's not the norm. But the reality is everyone goes through some kind of challenges, whether it's in pregnancy, birth, postpartum, like it's not all always smooth sailing. There's all these challenges and changes, right? And I've heard people describe bed rest or activity restriction as feeling like they were stranded on like a desert island, like a very isolating and lonely experience. What was that like for you and how did your, what kind of support did you have through that, through that experience?
1: Yeah. So at the time, I think that I was kind of like, this is fine. I mean, I had no choice. And yeah. I was just so happy to be pregnant. Like I yeah. I lost quite a few pregnancies. And so I had kind of thought that being a mom wasn't going to happen for me in the way I imagined and had started looking into surrogacy and adoption. And that was really overwhelming. So bed rest pregnancy seemed better to me than trying to figure out how I could have a baby that wasn't born out of my body, yeah. and that's because that's where I was headed. And so I was just like so thankful. And so every day when it was hard, I would be like, "It's really not that bad," because there's going to be this baby. I also didn't know that it was going to last so long, right? Because every every week the doctor would say. I'm sure you'll be feeling better soon. It's really unusual for this vomiting to last the whole pregnancy. So they kept expecting me to get better. So I always had this hope to hang on to. But I also was aware of things that I missed out on. And I think those were the hardest. Um, And they're kind of silly things. But to me, they're still hurtful because I can't have another child. It's not safe for me. And... And my body can't handle it. And so I'm not going to get the chance to do this again and like try to have a redeeming experience. So these silly things that I hold on to are like, I'll share them though. They might help somebody. Um, But they are a little silly. So like one thing I'm kind of sad about is that we didn't get to have like a baby moon, you know, like a little vacation, just the two of us. Um, We spent the whole pregnancy like making sure the baby was safe in my body and like doing like nothing and or I spent it doing nothing my husband golfed a lot but we didn't get to like go have the celebration of like our family changing Mm -hmm. and I had really wanted to do that and when I was on bed rest so many people were like oh when I was pregnant with my first we went on this awesome trip and we did these cool things and we like tried to plan that but we couldn't we couldn't do it I wasn't able to travel or be in the car, long periods, and stuff like that. So we didn't get to have a baby moon, and I also didn't get to do maternity pictures because it was just too much. Like I, I guess I could have done them like in my bed or something, but it didn't sound fun. And going into a studio or out in the community to do them couldn't happen. Um, so I kind of missed out on those two things, and then just kind of like all the. Fun pregnancy stuff that I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to go shopping at like pregnancy boutiques and I wanted to take like pregnancy yoga classes and I wanted to explore different birth options and do different classes. And I couldn't do any of that stuff because I couldn't exercise, I couldn't walk around long enough to go shopping, and I had such a high risk pregnancy that my birth plan was do what the doctor said. And that's okay. It, it was important, but I just missed out on like these really little things that for me were worse than spending months in bed because in bed, I was actually able to like work and I could see patients and my, I just had like a day bed and um got dressed for work in bed and then saw patients telehealth. So I was able to keep doing a lot of the things I was doing, but it was these little tiny pregnancy milestones that I missed out on that were really, really hard for me. And looking back when I think about the bed rest, like that's what I feel sad about. I don't feel sad about anything else except like I wish I could have had the baby moon or I wish we could have done some things to like celebrate the end of our family being us and the dogs. And we just didn't get to do that. And we can't change that, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing those examples because even though maybe – not everyone has your exact experience. I hear that a lot of like there's grief over things you that didn't go as expected, right? Whether that's like your pregnancy wasn't what you expected or your um, you didn't get to have skin to skin right away or your birth plan was different or your baby was in the NICU. and it's it's valid grief to like miss out to miss the things that you had imagined.
1: Yeah, and you just don't know that it's going to go that way. And so you just, you know, I I wouldn't want moms walking into pregnancy like expecting everything to go badly. It's just a hard balance to try to figure out like how can you be prepared that this isn't maybe going to be what you expected, but also still get to have the joy of the things that go well? Cuz I do mm-hmm. think that I had joy in pregnancy like the one thing about being so high risk is that we got an ultrasound every single week and every week I knew like how long the baby was and how much the baby weighed, which tended, which ended up being very accurate. And I knew so much um, information and that was really cool. And I still got to like, you know, decorate the nursery and stuff like that. But I, so I still had joy. But I also think I wasn't prepared for the grief. And then even as I got through it, I wasn't grieving. I was just like surviving. Yeah. And I think it's only even now that my son is two that I'm really starting to lean into just how hard it was. And I think mostly by seeing other people have really um, healthy and wonderful pregnancies that I didn't get to have, I think it's only by kind of feeling compared to those pregnancies, because there are people that are either in our family or close, close friend relationships. Um, Not that anyone's comparing it, but like just hearing about it, I think I naturally self compare. And then I'm like, gosh, they're so lucky. They don't have to know what that feels like. They, you know, like, could go on a walk every day of their pregnancy, or they, um, you know, can eat <laughs> things like little things where, oh my gosh. and I think it's only a noticing, um, those things, especially I think noticing how long people stay in the hospital after they give birth. I was in the hospital for a long time. Um, and seeing like, oh, you could actually maybe go home the same day even like that mm-hmm. didn't happen for me. And I think that's where the grief is showing up the most for me is in hearing about how things are going well for others and then realizing like, oh, wait, that was an issue for me. And I didn't even notice it at the time, Yeah. Um, which, you know, isn't great. But at the same time, I believe that your body lets you become aware when it's ready. And I think that we've just been surviving because my son has health issues and they're okay now um, or they're improving And so I think I'm not in that state of like constant stress anymore to where I can actually reflect and notice that was really hard and I should pay attention to that and heal from that so that I don't carry that with me in the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the definition of survival, right? You get through it without even knowing how you do. You just take one step at a time and now looking back, you're able to kind of try to balance the joy – and the grief and the healing and reflect on your experience and where you're at now. And we can't even guess all of the things that we're capable of as mothers. And that's so clear in your story of like everything that you went through just to become a mother. What stands out to you as an area where you've you've really grown and learned about yourself?
1: You know, I think that I have noticed that I can rise to any occasion. And I've noticed that as something that I believe. Um, Like I told you before that I have always been a high performer and high achiever. People around me have always just believed that I can rise to the occasion. And I did. But it felt terrible. Like Mm -hmm. I was so stressful to me. And I think that having my son and going through the birth experience that I did and the pregnancy experience and his illness early in life. I didn't have a choice. Um, It wasn't like, can I rise to the occasion? It was, I am going to rise to the occasion because there is nobody else that can do this. And so I think that for me, becoming a mom really has made me believe in myself in a way that people probably thought I already did, but I didn't. Um, And I mean, it is really like I hear people say that all the time. I do everything for my kids. But I think that's because our kids change us and that that process is so powerful that I think I just believe in myself now in a different way than I did before. And that has been life-changing for me because now when new things come up, I'm just like, okay, we're going to do this. And I don't worry anymore about whether it's going to work out. I just know that it's gonna we're going to have to do it and that's how it's going to be. Um, And I think that like my family, if they listen to this, they're going to be like, you didn't used to believe in yourself, but I didn't. I just felt like I was getting lucky or like worked hard enough. And I always wondered like, when am I going to run out of steam? Like when is the failure going to come? I can't keep this up. It's exhausting. And with parenting and with, with, with my baby I don't wonder those things. I don't wonder when I'm going to start failing. I don't wonder when I'm not going to be able to keep up with being a mom. I just know that I'm going to. And so I think that that's been the best thing that's come out of all of this is just that change in how I see myself.
0: Yeah. Sounds like this internal process of finding peace and trust and strength and really being able to believe in your own strength. Yeah. And
1: coming out of this like completely out of control process, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like – it's just a little ironic that what comes out of feeling like I had no control, like everything was just out of my control and just happening to feel like, like this is something that I totally have a say in, Um I think I kind of found my voice, like I grew up or something. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that has been really good for me. And I hope also just like for moms that are having a hard time to know, like the something good does come out of hard times. It just doesn't always show up right away. Like six months in, I wouldn't have said that. I would have been like, I'm just worried all the time. Um, I'm stressed out. But now that things are calmer, I can realize that I've grown a lot through it.
0: Yeah. What do you think helped you get to that place?
1: One thing I think is is that I just kind of leaned into the process. Um, I didn't. So my son was born with food allergies. He has a condition called F-Pies. It's like food protein something. It's like it's um it's inflammation in his intestines. And so it's not like anaphylaxis, but it's essentially food allergies and it's a really rare condition, but we didn't know that that's why he was so sick at first. And it took months because it was COVID and doctors offices were closed. It took months to figure out what was going on with him. And because of that, he couldn't go to daycare. because. He couldn't sleep in a crib, like all of these things that you expect as a mom. Like, my baby will sleep in the crib, my baby will breastfeed or take bottles or however you're planning. Like, none of that worked for us. And so, we had to be really careful with him. So, at the time that he was ready to go to daycare, we still didn't know what was wrong with him. And so, I couldn't send like a sick baby to daycare. So, I like quit my job. Um, I changed the childcare plan. I changed my plan and my expectations for myself. And when I did that, like, when I had this aha moment, like, you could just tell them that you're not coming back. And you could just cancel the daycare. And you could just do it. Like, when I had the realization, like, if you aren't working, and you can't pay for daycare, then you just cancel it, and everything will be fine. It's like, I don't know. It's such a simple solution. Like the weight just lifted. Really, it was like yeah. okay. Because then I felt like instead of getting, because I felt before then I felt like okay, I'm trying to heal my body so I can get back to work. Like I had this deadline, like a six. I did six months, so I was like, at six months, I have to be healed enough to be working every day, and he has to be better enough to be in daycare. And it was like all this pressure on this deadline. And we got to the six months, and we weren't there. Like we just we weren't better and so once I just was like okay let's just cancel everything then there's not going to be a deadline there's not going to be this time that we have to be better we can just figure it out it was just like the weight just went away and my life changed dramatically it was like I because I had spent a lot of time worrying about baby sleep baby eating baby doctor's appointments how I'm going to take time off at the time we thought he needed to have surgery. He didn't end up having to have it, but we were told he was going to have one. Um, it was like, how am I going to do all of this? How am I going to be reliable to care for other people? I'm not even taking care of myself that well right now. And it was a huge luxury to be able to cancel that, but I did. And that was just like the turning point. Like I can look back on that and and think – like my life got so much easier because I could really lean into what was working for me and our family. I could slow the healing process down and I could just take my time to navigate things and I needed that. Um, and that's just when, that's just when things just completely shifted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a shift from like worrying about all these things you couldn't control to like taking back some control and making the choices from a place of trusting yourself and like, I can figure this out and we can do what works for our family.
1: Yeah. And I was really lucky that when I thought of this idea, it was really hard for me because I'm used to like, kind of like meeting goals and deadlines. So I just like, was like, oh my gosh, my boss who's been my friend for over a decade is going to be upset. And I'm letting all these people down. I'm letting so many people down, so many students, so many clients in my practice. which they all waited patiently and were okay for me to take a few more months off work. But I felt like I was letting so many people down. And so it was really big for me to like decide I was going to do this. And when I told my husband, he was like, that makes sense. I don't know why you haven't decided this sooner, you know? And it was like, he was just so supportive. Even though it changed our financial situation, even though we had been paying for daycare that we hadn't used for three months and wasted all this money, he was just like, it's fine like, this is what's best for our son. This is what's best for you. You're not even better from being pregnant yet. You can't even walk a mile. Like, let's just take some time. And it just, it changed everything. Like it, I think it's completely changed the course of my son's life because instead of being in a childcare situation, which has so many positives for him that I really wanted for him, like I had, intentionally chosen for him to be in group childcare, he's got a different kind of bond with me, I think, because he basically was like attached to my body for the first 12 months of his life. And it's been really good for that. It's also been just really good for me, for my for my physical health healing from um, the birth trauma and the pregnancy trauma, um, because I was able to like ease back into exercise and do these different things that I wouldn't have been able to do while I was working.
0: Yeah. Yeah, such – sometimes the relief comes in making the decision and then it's like you can see the world in a completely different way. Yeah, and it's like why
1: why was I giving myself such a hard time Mm -hmm. about needing to take care of myself and needing to take care of my child? And I think the reason I was giving myself that hard time is because it didn't fit into the picture of what I planned for my mom life to look like. My plan was that I was going to stay in this like very focused, very um, successful career that I had built for myself. And I was really attached to it because I worked really, really hard to get there. And I didn't want to lose any of that momentum. And that was my plan for motherhood. And that's not the mom that I am. I now have a career halftime and I am not really trying to make it big in my academic career that I used to be trying to do a tenure track position. I'm not trying to do that anymore. I'm trying to just teach and support my students. And so it's like reset my expectations. And I wish that I had decided to do that sooner. I I wish that I had gone into motherhood open-minded with what was going to happen. But instead, I went into motherhood with a plan. People with anxiety like me, we like plans. So it makes sense. But I've totally changed pregnancy and birth trauma and a sick infant. It changed me. And I don't want to plan anymore. It stresses me out. And I've leaned into that in a way that I never would have ever Mm. if I hadn't gone through this. And it's been really good for me because now I'm like a type A person that doesn't plan.
0: (laughs) Change is such a good thing, right? And it's like the resistance to change is what can be so painful. And I think that's what's standing out to me so much about your story, Julie, is the like the pain is in the resistance and the relief is in embracing the change and like allowing yourself to be changed by this life-changing event. Like this, it makes sense to be completely changed by your pregnancy experience, by your birth experience, by becoming a mother, like allowing and embracing that change. That's where the relief and the growth is. What words of encouragement or wisdom would you have for a mom who's facing like a pivot or a big shift right now?
1: I think it's mostly just to lean into that change and to know that it doesn't always feel good to be going through a transition. But that doesn't mean that the outcome is going to be bad. I think it feels really disorienting to be going through a pivot or a change or a transition in your life, whether that's around motherhood or career or your health. It's just really hard because you get used to life the way it is. And most of us like our life the way it is. You know, I like, I really love my life before I had a baby. And I also don't really want to go back to that, even though I miss some things in it. But at the same time, I can't imagine that being my life anymore. And I think there was like a period for me of like about three months where I knew that going back to work was happening. And I knew that it really probably wasn't going to work out. And I was like, stuck in this place of trying to like make a square, fit into a circle, like it just wasn't going to work. And I think I knew that in my soul. like. Your back to work plan is impossible, Julie. And it was like, well, it's just going to have to work out. I'm just going to have to make it work. And I put all this effort and energy and money and all these things into making this plan work that was just not going to ever work. And I think that it felt terrible. And so it didn't feel good to be like negotiating with myself about who I was going to be as a person. Because I had no idea who I was without the life I had created. Um, I just didn't know. That was who I always was. And now I was this new person. And it was really scary to embrace that. And so this internal conflict of the transition felt really bad. And I would say that it feeling bad to me at first made me think, oh, I need to... Like, make sure I get back to the life I had. This transition feels bad. Mm -hmm. But my advice would be when you're in that spot, like, lean into the bad feelings and, like, really figure out what's going on there. Don't just, like, shut them off or, like, try to fix them. Try to lean in so that you can figure out where you're at. Because once I did that and I realized, like, the problem is my plan. The problem is, is that I'm different now. I need to figure out who that is. I need to embrace myself. Like, how is anyone else going to embrace me if I can't even do it? That's when things shifted for me. And that's when I got that relief. And and it's also given me this, like, sense of freedom. Like, I can keep doing that. Because I feel like I'm now confident that I need to do what works for me. And so I think that by leaning into the transition, I just got so much as a person. I I got this different experience of motherhood that I actually love probably more than my old job and my old life. I, I and I got this confidence in myself and this belief in myself and I never would have gotten any of that if I would have just made it work and I mm-hmm. would have just made him go to the daycare and I would have just, you know, figured it out. But I think I would be miserable because I'd be trying to fit back into my old life and fit into my plan for
0: motherhood. Yeah, there's so much value in slowing down turning inward versus trying to fix or like work harder to make things fit. There's so much value in just slowing down and saying like, okay, what's really going on here? Like, what can I do to actually make this fit my my life and my motherhood and what that looks like versus what maybe I thought it would look like?
1: Yeah. Just being open to your expectations not being met. You know, if mom life turns out exactly like you imagine, that's so awesome for you, you know? And if it's completely different, but you have that openness, you'll be okay.
0: Yeah. All right, Julie, I like to end episodes with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about being a mom right now?
1: Uh, I think that I like the way my son is pronouncing things and just like using English in a really interesting way. We were playing on it. We have like a nugget couch and we were playing with these cars on it. And I was like, okay, the car is going forward and backwards. And he was like using all the words incorrectly. Like he was like, now the car is going sideways instead of sideways. And he's just like putting the words together and it's like this totally logical way of using the English language that we don't actually use. And so I think it's just like seeing that, like, like, he's like, oh, this is a real word. And it's like, side words is not a word. It's sideways. He's like, but it's forward and backwards. And yep, it makes
0: sense.
1: It makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> I think that's my favorite thing right now is just like, what is going to come out of his mouth? And why aren't we actually speaking English that way?
0: <laughs> this kid has it <laughs> figured out. Yeah. What is something you said you'd never do as a parent that you do now?
1: You know, I said that I wasn't going to do basically everything. I said I wasn't going to exclusively breastfeed, and I do. I'm still nursing. I mean, he eats food now. He's two. Um, And I also said I wasn't going to bed share. I had this, like, whole plan of, like, starting at four months, he's going to sleep through the night. Never once happened. Um, If you would have told me that I'm going to be, like, an attachment parent breastfeeding, bed-sharing mom three years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I'm not – I'm going to be prioritizing my needs and I'm going to be putting myself first all the time and it turns out like that's definitely not what I'm doing. Out the window. (laughs) Yeah, out the window.
0: So speaking of taking care of yourself, what is your go-to form of self-care as a mom?
1: Lately, I have been finding the time to care for myself after my son goes to bed, which I know is controversial. But I got these headphones and they're like a headband that you put on and they're actually made for running, but they don't have a string or anything. They're Bluetooth and I put them on and I turn on a podcast or a book on tape or a TV show that I know the voices and I just lay in bed and listen to it for like an hour in like the dark and total silence and it's just like I don't think about anything to do with myself. I just like kind of decompress and then I turn it off and I go to bed and it's just that's been the best way to take care of myself because it's like a reset for my nervous system before bed of just being still.
0: Yep. Yep. That's so valuable, like that clearing out the input of the day. Yes. All right, Julie, where can people find you to connect? You can find me on
1: Instagram. My account is Nurturing the Sisterhood. I'm there. And that's where I'm often in my stories talking about my mom life and just kind of like what I'm going through as a mom. But I also have lots of really good educational resources that you can access there and on my website Um, and then just a lot of community there. It's really a space that's for moms to be honest about the reality of what motherhood is actually like and to have a good attitude about it while we're sharing the hard things and the good things.
0: Thank you so much, Julie. I so appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and your expertise. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thank you, dear, dear listener, for joining us for these conversations for Growing Moms. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. And if you did, you might want to subscribe to the podcast so you could be the first to know when new episodes come out. Be sure to check out the show notes where I'll link any resources that we talked about in this episode. You can find out more about me and my California-based private practice, Poppy Therapy, at poppy-therapy.com. Thank you for listening.